Chapter Five of *The Mark of Sorrow*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. *The Mark of Sorrow* by Johnston McCulley. Chapter Five: A Ride in the Morning. The following morning found the storm at an end, and there was not a single cloud to mar the perfect blue of the sky, and the sun was bright, and palm fronds glistened in it, and the air was bracing as it blew down the valleys from the sea. At mid-morning Don Diego Vega came from his house in the Pueblo, drawing on his sheepskin riding mittens, and stood for a moment before it, glancing across the plaza at the little tavern. From the rear of the house an Indian servant led a horse. Though Don Diego did not go galloping across the hills and up and down El Camino Real like an idiot, yet he owned a fairish bit of horse-flesh. The animal had spirit and speed and endurance, and many a young blood would have purchased him, except that Don Diego had no use for more money and wanted to retain the beast. The saddle was heavy, and showed more silver than leather on its surface. The bridle was heavily chased with silver, too, and from its sides dangled leather globes studded with semi-precious stones that now glittered in the bright sunshine as if to advertise Don Diego's wealth and prestige to all the world. Don Diego mounted, while half a score of men loitering around the plaza watched and made efforts to hide their grins. It was quite the thing in those days for a youngster to spring from the ground into his saddle gather up the reins, rake the beast's flanks with his great spurs, and disappear in a cloud of dust all in one motion. But Don Diego mounted a horse as he did everything else, without haste or spirit. The native held a stirrup, and Don Diego inserted the toe of his boot. Then he gathered the reins in one hand, pulled himself into the saddle as if it had been quite a task. Having done that much, the native held the other stirrup, and guided Don Diego's other boot into it, and then he backed away, and Don Diego clucked to the magnificent beast and started it, at a walk, along the edge of the plaza toward the trail that ran to the north. Having reached the trail, Don Diego allowed the animal to trot, and after having covered a mile in this fashion, he urged the beast into a slow gallop, and so rode along the highway. Men were busy in the fields and orchards, and natives were tending the herds. Now and then Don Diego passed a lumbering carreta, and saluted whoever happened to be in it. Once a young man he knew passed him at a gallop, going toward the Pueblo, and Don Diego stopped his own horse to brush the dust from his garments after the man had gone his way. Those same garments were more gorgeous than usual this bright morning. A glance at them was enough to establish the wealth and position of the wearer. Don Diego had dressed with much care, admonishing his servants because his newest serape was not pressed properly, and spending a great deal of time over the polishing of his boots. He travelled for a distance of four miles, and then turned from the high road and started up a narrow, dusty trail that led to a group of buildings against the side of a hill in the distance. Don Diego Vega was about to pay a visit to the hacienda of Don Carlos Pulido. This same Don Carlos had experienced numerous vicissitudes during the last few years. 
once he had been second to none except Don Diego's father in position, wealth, and breeding. But he had made the mistake of getting on the wrong side of the fence politically, and he found himself stripped of a part of his broad acres, and tax-gatherers bothering him in the name of the governor, until there remained but a remnant of his former fortune, but all his inherited dignity of birth. On this morning Don Carlos was sitting on the veranda of the hacienda, meditating on the times, which were not at all to his liking. His wife, Doña Catalina, the sweetheart of his youth and age, was inside directing her servants. His only child, the Signorita Lolita, likewise was inside, plucking at the strings of a guitar, and dreaming as a girl of eighteen dreams. Don Carlos raised his silvered head, and peered down the long, twisting trail, and saw in the distance a small cloud of dust. The dust-cloud told him that a single horseman was approaching, and Don Carlos feared another gatherer of taxes. He shaded his eyes with a hand and watched the approaching horseman carefully. He noted the leisurely manner in which he rode his mount, and suddenly hope sang in his breast, for he saw the sun flashing from the silver on saddle and bridle, and he knew that men of the army did not have such rich harness to use while on duty. The rider had made the last turning now, and was in plain sight from the veranda of the house, and Don Carlos rubbed his eyes and looked again to verify the suspicion he had. Even at that distance the aged Don could establish the identity of the horseman. "'Tis Don Diego Vega,' he breathed. May the saints grant that here is a turn in my fortunes for the better at last. Don Diego, he knew, might only be stopping to pay a friendly visit, and yet that would be something, for when it was known abroad that the Vega family was on excellent terms with the Pulido establishment, even the politicians would stop to think twice before harassing Don Carlos further, for the Vegas were a power in the land. So Don Carlos slapped his hands together and a native hurried out from the house, and Don Carlos bade him draw the shades so that the sun would be kept from a corner of the veranda, and place a table and some chairs, and hurry with small cakes and wine. He sent word into the house to the women, too, that Don Diego Vega was approaching. Doña Catalina felt her heart beginning to sing, and she herself began to hum a little song, and Señorita Lolita ran to a window to look out at the trail. When Don Diego stopped before the steps that led to the veranda, there was a native waiting to care for his horse, and Don Carlos himself walked halfway down the steps and stood waiting, his hand held out in welcome. "'I am glad to see you a visitor at my poor hacienda, Don Diego,' he said, as the young man approached, drawing off his mittens. "'It is a long and dusty road,' Don Diego said. It wearies me, too, to ride a horse the distance. Don Carlos almost forgot himself and smiled at that, for surely riding a horse a distance of four miles was not enough to tire a young man of blood. But he remembered Don Diego's lifelessness and did not smile, lest the smile cause anger. He led the way to the shady nook on the veranda, and offered Don Diego wine and cakes, and waited for his guest to speak. As became the times, the women remained inside the house, not ready to show themselves unless the visitor asked for them, or their lord and master called. 
"'How are things in the Pueblo of Reina de Los Angeles?' Don Carlos asked. "'It has been a space of several score days since I visited there.' "'Everything is the same,' said Don Diego, "'except that this Signor Zorro invaded the tavern last evening and had a duel with the big Sergeant Gonzales.' "'Ha! Ah, Signor Zorro, eh? And what was the outcome of the fighting?' though the sergeant has a crooked tongue while speaking of it said don diego it has come to me through a corporal who was present that this signor zorro played with the sergeant and finally disarmed him and sprang through a window to make his escape in the rain they could not find his tracks a clever rogue don carlos said at least i have nothing to fear from him it is generally known up and down el camino real i suppose that I have been stripped of almost everything the governor's men could carry away. I look for them to take the hacienda next. Huh! Such a thing should be stopped, Don Diego said, with more than his usual amount of spirit. The eyes of Don Carlos brightened. If Don Diego Vega could be made to feel some sympathy, if one of the illustrious Vega family would but whisper a word in the governor's ear— the persecution would cease instantly, for the commands of a vega were made to be obeyed by all men of whatever rank. End of chapter.